we were forming a community around it, but we were, we didn't really know where it was going to go. But you were kind of like figuring that out. Well, to... you know, I was excited with all the practice I had been doing for a few years and just working on that and going down that rabbit hole and we wanted to keep elaborating on it. And so that trip really it did inspire me and made me, it raised a lot of questions. And Anna also, you know, grounded me because I wanted to open a bakery in that moment. I was like, <laughs> let's open a bakery. I got this. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he's like, I got it. We're going to open a wood-fired bakery here in Long Beach. And I'm like, how are you going to go from six loaves to operating a bakery? Like, do you understand what's involved in all of that? Like, yeah, and that we're in the United States and that things are more difficult. You can't just do this, like, rustic, cute thing that you saw a grandmother doing in Spain. This is the Sourdough Podcast, the show about the innovators, leaders, and creative trailblazers in our sourdough community and the stories behind the bread. On this episode of the Sourdough Podcast, Arturo and Anna of Gusto Bread join me to share their sourdough journey. From the wood-fired oven that started it all, to their plans to open a brick-and-mortar bakery this year in their home of Long Beach, California. They tell us about the people and places that inspired them along the way and share their experiences and advice for growing a successful cottage bakery. I wanted to give a quick shout out to my most recent podcast supporters who have donated to the podcast. Going back to November, a huge thank you to Edith Fasnage, Mark Gavigan, Anne Mazer, the always generous Jim Challenger, Caitlin Muir, Scott Martley, Maria Martin, and Jeffrey Kirkhoff. Thank you so much for your generosity and support and encouraging words you sent along with your donations. If you feel like you've been inspired by the Sourdough Podcast, please consider supporting it by visiting thesourdoughpodcast.com and clicking on the donate button in the top right corner. Another way to help the podcast grow is by being sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Additionally, another easy thing you could do is to take a screenshot right now. I even give you permission to pause the podcast. So go ahead and share it on Instagram and be sure to tag me. I love resharing your posts. And of course, it's super helpful in sharing the podcast with others. Stay tuned after the podcast, as always, for new music from Weston Perry. This episode features his latest track, When the Rain Stops Falling. You can find his music at westonperrymusic.com or wherever you stream music. And now, here's my interview with Anna and Arturo. My guests today are Arturo Enciso and Ana Salatino, owners of Gusto Bread in Long Beach, California. Gusto Bread is a cottage bakery which Arturo and Anna operate from their home, opening their doors to the public once a week while also selling at farmer's markets and to several local establishments. Arturo is a self-taught baker of just over five years and Anna a self-taught graphic and web designer. Uh, together, they have grown Gusto over the last few years and have recently set their sights on opening a brick-and-mortar bakery in Long Beach. Uh, it's my privilege to have them on the podcast to share their story. Uh, Arturo and Anna, thank you so much for uh, speaking with me tonight. Thanks so much for having us. Thank we're you. really excited. Thank you. Well, I could see that we're in your uh, your kitchen, or is it your living room? 
I like, call, yeah. I like to call it the leaven room. The leaven room, the leavening room. Okay. <laughs> I said, I said before we got on air that like uh, everything looks so familiar. It's weird to see everything in a different light uh, from Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's let's start off if we could by maybe you guys telling us a little bit about your backgrounds uh, prior to baking, because um, as I understand it, uh, baking is a relatively recent venture for both of you guys. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so mine's uh, it's quite a whirlwind. Um, I'm I'm not originally from Long Beach. I grew up in a small town about two hours north of Long Beach, um, in a small mountain community called Lebec. Yeah, on the grapevine, right? Yeah, near the grapevine, exactly. So my uh, friend, my family, like my father's family, a lot of them live in Long Beach. So Long Beach was always kind of a a second home to me, and it was a place of gathering for us. It was like the big city for me. I was very familiar with it and I loved coming here as a kid and um, there were summers where I would spend out here and skate around town and I got to know the city pretty well. So right after high school, for me, it was just kind of the place to come. I was like, I want to go to the city and that was Long Beach for me. And um, so I moved here and um, my brother just created some pretty cool opportunities for me. My older brother, um, he had like some jobs lined up that I could work on boats and stuff with him and um i didn't go to college i wasn't interested in going to college so i was just kind of like working i was a musician so i'd work on my music and i was just having a great time you know um what type of music did you play i play guitar as an instrument and i get i i'm a songwriter so i i I also do vocals but um as i started a band or a couple bands here and yeah i had a lot of fun but um, with that, you know, I was getting involved in like grassroots movements here in Long Beach, like ecological things going on here. Um, and it, it was just great to be surrounded by so many cool things happening in Long Beach at that time. It's right around when I met Anna mm-hmm. and she was also part of a lot of these groups I was getting involved in. And a lot, I met a lot of my friends who were also dabbling in like to fermentations and shopping at farmer's markets and that it kind of opened my, my mind, you know, and it, I got into healthier eating habits. And What uh, year is this about, Arturo? That was about <laughs> I'm terrible uh, at time. Yeah, he's, he's, he'll miss it by a long shot. Um, <laughs> it would be probably like between 2008 and like 2012 is the period okay. we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't until me and Anna moved in together to this property that had this cob oven, this earthen oven that um, really made me curious to learn how to use it. And I didn't even think bread. I was just like, in general, like, this is a really cool oven. Like, there's, there's uh, just an oven, a random oven in your backyard. Yeah. yeah. That's so, that's <laughs> well, so it cool. Was, it was kind of part of this community that we were a part of that there were, there was a group of folks that were really into permaculture. And so okay. in Long Beach, Long Beach is this very weird funky little town or city, but, um, we're just South of Los Angeles and, you know, LA is like innovative and there's the entertainment industry and there's just a lot going on in LA and Long Beach feels like a small town compared to that. And so we had friends that were going to LA and doing a lot of permaculture activities there, but there wasn't any of that happening in Long Beach. But this oven was one of those like small, you know, things that somebody in Long Beach organized around a permaculture like ideals. Um, and I actually, me and my sister, we were part of making this oven long oh, before we ever lived on the property. That's right, that's right. 
um, because we were friends with our friend, which then ended up being our neighbor. And he just built it as a community thing. He wasn't a baker. Mm -hmm. He wasn't, you know, he just thought, oh, this will be great for community events, pizza parties and, and the like. So, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like there was some some fate involved with not only the yeah. the baking, but also with you, Anna, and it all kind of came yeah, together. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and I think the, also the other guy I connected was my dad works for Tahoe Ranch. So we have access to a lot of like oak, a lot of fallen oak. And so I, when I went to visit them, I'd always bring some back. So I had oh, yeah. stacks, and stacks of wood, like precious wood, you know, and, yeah. and that's all you need to get a fire going, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I fired the oven up and around that time, our neighbor who built this oven had a bunch of books on, on baking and, and, um, cob ovens, it, yeah. like she said, wow. permaculture, all these, mm -hmm. he was just a great resource and a great neighbor to have and just handed me these things. And I went to town and, and just spent, um, my day on my days off. I had two jobs at the time. So on my days, days off, I would just have fun in the backyard and bake specifically Richard Miskovich's book. It's called uh, From the Wood-Fired Oven. That book in particular really changed my life because yeah. it helped me understand the, the wood oven. I don't know if you've come across it. I know you're- I'm you're familiar the, with it, actually, because I I, uh, I also kind of geeked out myself with a little uh, uh, wood-fired oven project of my own this last year. So yeah, I've, read, I've, I've seen that book and it's, yeah, it's, I haven't bought it, but I've, I've definitely checked it out the library oh. and- yeah, there's a it, lot of good stuff in there. I think it's a very underrated book. I mean, it set me on the path. If I didn't have that book, I don't know that I'd have a grip on, on a lot of the things I do. Like, I, I still look up to that book and I read it all the time um, because it's not just so much geared, even though it has that title, anyone can learn from it, a home mm -hmm. baker in any setting. Um, you learn a lot. He has a lot of great content in there. So that was just like my Bible, you know, spending my time off reading that book practicing things he had in there. Yeah, I think that connecting to that old world pleasure of, of chopping wood and baking for yourself. Mm -hmm. oh. Now, Anna, you mm -hmm. you were also had a come from a different background before mm -hmm. before Gusto. You you kind of were an entre entrepreneur, is that right? You had like a graphic design, web design background? Yeah, yeah. I Essentially, I, uh, I studied fine art at university and then kind of fell out of love with the fine art industry. And then that kind of I found my way into graphic design as like a really useful way to practice art or making art. And then from graphic design, I started I taught myself how to how to build websites. And I, I had a business where I would essentially work for um, other small businesses and doing their branding and setting up like a really like a starter website basically so that they could okay. get going with their business. So that was, um, yeah, that was what I filled my days doing pretty much since I met Arturo, um, all the way through when he started doing this, this little baking experiment. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's going on through your mind as he's like kind of diving deeper and deeper into this bread world? Are you interested in it or is this kind of his thing that he's got going on? Or I mean, it's kind of what I really respect about Arturo is that he is very individualistic and he follows, you know, what he what he believes and what he believes is is interesting. You know, he kind of just marches to his own beat. And so all I was doing was kind of appreciating like, oh, that's cool that you've picked something up, you know, to do something productive on your day mm -hmm. off when most people are just like being couch potatoes or, you know, just like consuming something mindlessly he was actually creating. 
And um, so at first it was just fun to have him. I worked from home, so it was fun to just have him home and have him make me, you know, fresh lunch or fresh loaves and things like that. Um, and then with time, because of the industry that I was working in, it just made sense to me like, well, let's uh, like we have a friend who's a, a great illustrator and he illustrated the cob oven. And then once we had that, it was kind of like, well, let's um, let's tell other people about it. Like we have friends just like what happens to everybody. Right. When you start making a few extra loaves, you have yeah. to uh -huh. share those with people. And so we had some friends that were interested and. Um, because of our community in Long Beach of people like Arturo mentioned that were into fermented foods and into like, you know, mm -hmm. traditional food. Um, we just put together a newsletter. So I kind of uh, encouraged him in my own way, kind of offering these tools um, as a way to grow, grow it into something a bit more because he seemed to be pretty invested in it. So it was kind of like, all right, well, let's see what else you know, you can grow this into. Um, so it was just fun to be able to provide that. That's very cool. Yeah, it sounds like your your two kind of different uh, backgrounds and, and interests kind of wove together nicely to, mm -hmm. to start this business. Now, I mean, before the bakery, though, like, what was kind of like your background with the bread? Like, what was your connection to it growing up? What, did you guys have mm -hmm. bread bakers in the family? Or uh, <laughs> was it what was it kind of like your food tradition uh, growing up? Yeah, well, my my family. I'm from Argentina, and in Argentina, we don't really have a lot of like you know country loaves and sourdough, but we do eat fresh bread every day. It's kind of more mm. like a baguette style of bread. Um, and you know, back when I was a kid um, and growing up, anytime we would visit Argentina, it was common for for mothers and grandmothers to go and get fresh produce every day, and part of that fresh produce was getting fresh bread. Mm. Um, and really, and then you just have a bag of old bread that you keep, you know, if whatever isn't eaten today just gets put in the bag and then you turn that into bread pudding or you turn that into breadcrumbs and you make um, milanesas or there's, there's mm. basically that was the tradition that I came from. It's like, there's always fresh bread and then there's things to do with stale bread. Um, but then we grew up in, I grew up in California and my mom just lamented that, <laughs> like, what's this place? Like, where did I move? <laughs> um, because in the 90s, there was just nothing. We lived, we lived throughout California, but we ended up in Modesto, and there just there wasn't anything out there back then. Um, so, so I grew up here knowing what this was like, but I also had that memory of Argentina and like fresh bread as a daily oh, wow. thing. Um, and it wasn't until Arturo like picked up this this craft, and then we started. Anytime we travel, we go to bakeries and you yeah. know eat some stuff. So now it's become thankfully again like an everyday thing for me. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I feel like that's very true. I've talked about that before on other, on other episodes where it's like here in the U.S., Central Valley, I'm from uh, Patterson, which is where mm -hmm. Modesto. I'm in yeah. Sherlock right now. But yeah, it's, it's just not a very common thing to where, or I remember I, I actually studied abroad in, in Argentina and mm -hmm. that was like my very first experience of like, there was a bakery on the corner and I could smell it every morning. And I was just like, mm -hmm. what is that smell? Just not having that association growing up in, in Central Valley, um, yeah. where many people throughout the world, that's their connotation with bread. But right. Arturo, what were, what were you going to say? What's your uh, family background with food traditions and, and bread? And Not so much bread. Uh, both my parents are, are Mexican. So my mom's from northern Mexico, Chihuahua, the state of Chihuahua. And my dad's from Mexico City. So tortillas. I grew up with tortillas, both flour and corn. Um, mm -hmm. But... My dad being, you know, in Mexico City, there are 
a lot more of, of bread culture. There is a lot more bread culture there than in Chihuahua. So, you know, bolillos and panaderias in general, like conchas, is just city life. So mm. uh, definitely there's always bread in the table and when we visit Mexico City, but not as much as uh, tortillas. I think that tortillas overpowers uh-huh. bread in, in my family. Well, and your, and your father, it's funny, after Arturo became a baker and kind of like, you know, said, I'm going to be a baker, um, his father and his uncle started telling us all these stories about them growing up in Mexico City. And that was kind of the go-to job. That was like their starter job was like, mm-hmm. oh, go work at the bakery. So actually uh-huh. all his uncles have, have yeah. a past in baking, but we didn't even know about it until he got really into it. Yeah. Well, I have one uncle in Mexico City that's still who's a, who's still a baker mm-hmm. and he's kind of the only one. And he every time we go to Mexico City when he gets off work he gets off late and he always just bring all these sweet breads uh-huh. and we'd have them with coffee and it's a great time yeah, yeah well that's something I never had never thought of that you know growing up in California my mother's Mexican-American and you know Central Valley is it's you know I think my high school is probably 75 percent Hispanic but yeah mm-hmm. it's it, you don't think about that I guess you know you could be Hispanic and Depending on where you grew up, even in Mexico, like you, you can have an association with tortillas or 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 bread or both or or, or you know, you can mm-hmm. be have a background from from one or the other and not necessarily both. But, um, well, that's the, yeah, that's really interesting. Like you guys have such different kind of connections with bread before. And what about sourdough? What was the kind of your your understanding or, or context for sourdough? What was it back yeah, when before you, before you started baking? Because um, that's I not you know I, that's that's could be a totally different you know category as well for most people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like because I said a lot of my friends when I was kind of getting into like food, get eating healthier and getting like making my own food. I had friends that were fermenting stuff, so I was familiar with sourdough. Mm-hmm. But I think it was kind of limited to this like San Francisco understanding of it. You know, like a lot of people talk about that like the hundred year old siren of course i knew it was more ancient than that but i feel like that's what was around my friends it was yeah. like everyone had this san francisco starter and that was just kind of what everyone had you know but and i think they even they even gave someone gave me some like a couple times but it didn't it just like went over my head like i didn't really because i was fermenting a lot of stuff myself i had ginger beer going oh. um like rice wine uh persimmon vinegar all these things wow. i was fermenting so it was like kind of like adding a start it wasn't you know the for the just type of care that it needs yeah. like mm-hmm. compared to all, all these other ferments. it didn't have an application honestly we didn't have bakers there 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 weren't any bakeries or anything like that in our awareness here in long beach and like i said sure. we're, we're kind of in this little bubble in long beach like yes we go to la but but even at that point there wasn't really a lot going on in la or at least it hadn't like reached our mm. circles so we weren't sure. aware of it. Um, and for me, in, in terms of like my immigrant <laughs> family experience, sourdough to me was just like, like Arturo's saying, like that, that San Francisco sourdough that my mom hated kind of thing. That, that's all I knew about it. And it yeah. wasn't really something that I, I knew of as a tradition. That I think we more or less discovered with, with Richard's book. And then once Arturo started making it, then like, yeah, we just got deeper and deeper into it and started appreciating how basically how like you have to uncover this sometimes like on the one hand sourdough is becoming really popular um in terms of like country loaves and things like that but what we're really interested in and doing next is you know what are all these breads like the mexican sweet breads like what are Mm. all these breads before 
you know, instant dry yeast came about. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the thing that we want to tease out is, mm. is where we're, where have we actually completely lost these sourdough traditions? Mm-hmm. Um, and how can we incorporate them back into our diets and into like, yeah, all sorts of different new breads, not just mm. like this one idea of bread, sourdough bread. And, and I think like, again, Richard's book in the cob oven, me kind of, that is what made me understand sourdough and kind of look at it as this ancient thing, just like the fire, right? Just mm. like an oven and not not like first getting into sourdough bread. It's kind of like the magic that I got into the oven first led me to to what I under, we call sourdough now, right? Yeah, <laughs> kind of start with like this prehistoric, you know, fire and, you know, the, you know, <laughs> caveman kind of, and then... <laughs> Get, make your way to, to the stone. Yeah, age it's like and... these are the these are the elements. What do you do with them? You know, you have yeah. wood, you turn it into fire that warms an oven, and then and then for the dough, it's really just like using the air and the microbes, and you make bread out of it. So it is it is really primal and elemental how we yeah. came to it. It's yeah. a very unique path you found to to sourdough. Um, so Arturo, I know that after or, or somewhere during this time. You um, took a little, I don't know what you called it, but uh, a discovery and a a walkabout, it sounded like, to Spain. And you just kind of took this trip and was able to uh, visit a bunch of bakeries and study under some bakers. And can you tell us about that experience? So my older brother ended up moving to Spain. I don't remember what year, but um, I, I think the trip that I ended up going out there was 2016 with my younger brother. Um, and, you know, prior to that, I was, you know, going down this, uh, wood fired oven rabbit hole and, and because we were planning this trip to Spain, I was just researching so much about, uh, bakers out there that I could go visit wood fired bakers in particular. And I ended up discovering this little village called Thea in Galicia. And they're a pretty unique community. There's about, I think about like 16 or 18, 16, 18 bakers now that are that are in that zone and they they're like protecting their bread tradition right like in their ovens like the way they they build them and the the recipe that's very formulaic kind of like um just like that sort of european kind of culture out there where people protect like yeah. mozzarella can only okay. come from this region like they were doing that for their bread and and that just fascinated me because because um yeah, all of it, like their their ovens and their style of bread. What was distinct about their yeah their style was it the just the ovens that they were using or I think methods? all of all of it, like them. Why were they protecting us? I wanted to go, like, <laughs> yeah. go learn, you know. That's so, why I went to find out. So I, that was just that was like the big one for me. I was like, I need to go there, and that was I don't remember uh, quite a trek outside of Madrid. Mm-hmm. So I rented a car and I went out there. Um, but I mean, already in Madrid, you have tons of bakers. My brother was taking me everywhere, everywhere. But when I made it to that, we, we actually did a trip like to Asturias too. That was really special because we ended up stumbling upon, um, we were eating bread at all the restaurants, you know, all the tasting menus. It's so easy to just go anywhere and have like a tasting menu for like 15 euros, you know, you're eating like three, wow. three dishes and, and it's <laughs> fabulous. And in one of these places, we had this beautiful bread and I, I was just chewing on it. I was like, this is amazing bread. Like who makes this? And everyone was just saying money and money. And, you know, it was just, they're like the bakers in town and it's such a gorgeous town. Like there's, 
these ancient Roman um, bridges, you know, and beautiful water, water running through them. And you're in the forest. So it was just heaven. And you're eating this gorgeous bread. And that's made like a few miles up the mount- mm. mountains. And our guide was kind of like, oh, yeah, I know them. I'll take you there. And <laughs> he took us to the bakery. And they were such a loving family. And they gave me a tour showed me like how they do things in their ovens they constructed and designed themselves so this was in Asturias and that was just one of those relationships I built and was they're just friends you know and I want to go back to visit them and spend time there Mm. they were like yeah come stay here anytime you know (laughs) that's so cool someone I keep in touch with there um but when I made it to Galicia that place um I met it was kind of hard because there's a language barrier there more than I had like in other parts of Spain because you need to think it's like a village and they don't really see a lot of tourists. And when they do <laughs> see tourists, it's the ones doing the, they speak the, their language. They don't really speak Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. Much. So, or they speak a different Spanish too. Yeah. I didn't end up connecting the way I thought I would there in that community. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's all, we know the other unique thing is all, it's all women. So that's, that's pretty awesome too. Like there's, there's this woman there working the ovens, um, some of them were like giving me their homemade sausages and like give me <laughs> oh, bread. And that's yeah. kind of like, that was like it. What a trip. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was great. But there were also some sketchy parts where I drive <laughs> our car and there's like some guy like just kind of like pretty much telling us we should leave, you know, <laughs> so it was a really weird trip and it wasn't what I thought it would be um, in that town in particular. But if you look up now, there's some people, some Galician bakers on Instagram that I've discovered that are making, this Galician bread that's just gorgeous and some of them their crumb is just phenomenal it's crazy is what that, they're doing did they do the, the the style bread where they have like that knot on the top of it yeah that's yeah. it yeah because mm-hmm. it's so wet they that's the way you ship <laughs> you, you twist it you kind uh, of yeah. grab it I've, I'm, I've seen it I, I've, <laughs> I've I think it. I've tried it from some baking cookbook before yeah <laughs> yeah very distinct know, style some of the yeah. backstory to Spain right so yeah very cool and Anna you weren't on this trip this was a, a brother's trip is that right no yeah I I mean my my family my my family we're from Argentina but the majority is from Spain and so I I would love to go someday and you know explore all that but this trip specifically I thought oh what a great opportunity you know like right now all the brothers are available. Mm. Like there's no children in the middle. There's, I was the only partner at the time. And so it's like, you know, it's a great opportunity for the three of you to connect as adults and, and have something that's yours, like for this lifetime to Mm. to share and bond over. Um, so I figured, yeah. And they had really like a really memorable trip. So I thought it would be a good opportunity for that. So I stayed out of it, (laughs) but I'll go next time for sure. Cause again, we eat our way through anywhere we go. And so, with this trip, it was funny because his one frustration was like, my brothers don't want to eat at all the places I want to eat. <laughs> but <laughs> they want to like, do all these other yeah. things. Yeah. That's what I was like thinking if, if I took my wife, wife on a trip like that, she would, you know, she'd probably be like, all right, let him have his moment, let him geek out. But then she'd probably, probably be ready to move on. But it sounds like that's your that's your cup of tea as well. You'd be we do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. And I, I don't bake myself, but I love food and I love culture and I love like, uh, you know, folk traditions. Mm. Um, so I, I find it interesting in my own way. I don't geek out, geek out over the, the dough and the baking, but <laughs> I, I'll eat. <laughs> 
So at this point, though, were you guys, where were you with the like the bakery concept? Were you already committed to it, and you're just like doing like research at this point, or were, you're, were, were the gears still spinning? Um, so after going to Spain, you know, and and meeting like the Manin family in Asturias, and and having that experience in Galicia, and meeting all the bakers I did in Madrid. Um, I was starting to question, like, am I going to keep going down this wood-fired hmm. rabbit hole? You know, like, um, because this oven was also, like, I was outgrowing it. At, at also, like, I needed to find a solution if I wanted to continue baking more loaves. Because um, we would send out a newsletter, you know, once a week and kind of put out a menu and friends would order. And it would just, you know, it just... Got at, but it uh, was like six loaves and yeah, like six <laughs> eight galettes or something, eight, like small fruit galettes. And that was it. That was all the oven could do because it would lose temperature. But we had at least created like the structure of a, of a micro bakery, like so that mm. it was growing, like our subscribers were growing. And some weeks, some, you know, whoever got to the loaves, like it, we were forming a community around it, but we re we didn't really know where it was going to go. Mm. But you were kind of like figuring that out, trying well, to figure that out. I was so, you know, I was excited with all the like practice I had been doing for for a few years and just working on that and going down that rabbit hole and, and wanted to keep elaborating on it. And so that trip really, it did inspire me and made me, it raised a lot of questions mm. like down the path I was going on. And and Anna also, you know, grounded me because I wanted to open a bakery. And in that moment, I was like, let's open a bakery. <laughs> I, I how could it. you not after that trip, yeah. it sounds. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I got it. We're going to open a wood-fired bakery here in Long Beach. And I'm like, how are you going to go from six loaves to operating a, a hundred, bakery? Hundred like, loaves. do you understand <laughs> what's involved in all of that? Like, yeah, and that we're in the United States and that things are more difficult. You can't just do this, like, rustic, cute thing that you saw a grandmother doing in Spain. Yeah. So... That kind of inspired another trip um, to go work at a bakery, a wood fire bakery in Vermont. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got up to New England. That's right. Yeah, that we both uh, had a really awesome dining experience at too. Mm -hmm. We went. I don't remember how we discovered them. Um, their name was Regen's Laundry. They they sold it to a restaurateur or like a chef a couple of years ago. A couple of years okay. ago. So yeah. it's not the same owners, but whatever was going on there when it was a bakery was extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Like. They had a really beautiful um, oven and their bread they learned from, uh, his name's not coming to me now. He, he passed away um, a few years ago, the, the person who taught them how to bake bread, but he's like a legend there in Vermont. Mm, he had okay. this old Pan Levant recipe, a French Canadian fellow, I believe. And they kind of continued his legacy of his bread. And, um, and it had, it was a really special bread, you know, they were milling on side and, baking in this wood oven it was like everything that i wished mm. that i could do you know and and so oh, that's right you wanted no before he went there he wanted to move us there so before <laughs> having a bakery of his own he said let's just move to vermont and and let me just work for these people in vermont and i'm like no like you can't go to, from southern california to vermont <laughs> like on a whim i was like how about you just go give yourself a month go to new england in the winter and if you really, really like it, and if it if it makes sense for your next career path, then great. Like, I can just pack up my computer and work from Vermont, no problem. Like, I, I would actually love living in Vermont, but I just didn't want to do the move, really. So so the consolation was him just going on his own and, and yeah. yeah, staging there. 
and it kind of lined up perfectly. Um, I put it out there to them and you're like, yeah, like we'd love some help. Like we actually don't want someone staging. We want an employee. Like awesome. Even better. Like, yeah. Okay. Like I'll come in. Like, <laughs> let me just try to find a spot. So on Craigslist, literally I found like a, like a room, like a block away. It was like furniture wow. room. Yeah. Wow. Like, so I did it. I booked it and you know, my lifestyle pretty a lot for that kind of thing. I was like, I was working for like a coffee shop, my friend's chocolate shop, but it was, they were supportive of, of what I was doing. So it was kind of like, yeah, man, go do your thing. And what, what year was this? 2017, early 2017. 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I went out there and, and just gave them my time, you know, just um, learned what I could. And I, and at that time they also told me they were going to, they were in the midst of like putting it up for sale. They were pretty, I think, ready for like a change of, of life themselves and kind of You're like, like Anna, I want to buy a bakery. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I, it didn't get to that point, but thankfully I, I only, I only ended up being there a week. Um, it, and well, and then there was the Richard Muscovich was actually teaching in yeah, Vermont, which so is Richard, pretty perfect. Yeah. The author, of, when I was the author of the book that kind of started exactly, you on this yeah. whole path. The Godfather. <laughs> yeah. The maestro. He wow. was up there and, and I, I saw that on King Arthur's website, and I booked the, the workshop, and I, and it was like a two or three day class. I already forgot, but it was like, it wasn't just one day. It was like we had to get there sandwich the next morning. Sandwich breads was the class. Oh yeah, yeah, sandwich breads of the world. So we made like pita, a Jewish deli rye, um, cubano. You know, we made all wow. sorts of breads in a couple of days, and it that was just awesome. Um, but I was feeling pretty lost because of the Vermont trip, kind of working mm. out the way it did, like them selling the bakery and, and then also me kind of being like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know? Got to go um, back to Long Beach at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and that move wasn't going to happen, you know, like mm-hmm. to move out there. I loved it. it, was, it so was you just thought if I if you're going to be a baker, you're going to have to be on the East Coast for it to happen. Is that I feel what, like how your mind was working? Kind of like learning point? from them, learning from people I looked up to. Yeah, like people like the bakeries that were just doing something really special with the wood fired ovens that I had discovered. And, and they were on my list. They gave me a, they gave me a chance and, and I was out there like trying it, you know, um, you did, you just feel like you just had way too much more to learn before you were even going to be somewhere close to starting your own operation or, or what was your I didn't process. feel that way. I think it was more Anna's I encouragement. <laughs> I said, I said, okay, so it's great. You want to open a bakery and I'm all for it. Um, but at the same time, like knowing what it takes to run a food establishment and, you know, having a team and just all the all the extra stuff, not just the bread baking, but everything else, all the other experience, you know, sourcing things that you have to master to to really mm. have a full blown bakery. I just thought, well, if you're an employee at a bakery that you really enjoy learning at, then you can learn about breads, but you can also learn how they manage people and, you know, mm. just just learning firsthand like that, I thought would be a good experience. And he tried, he tried a couple of places and, and they didn't work out. And that was kind of, again, what I was referring to, like him just kind of doing things his own way. It was just reaffirming in that, like, no, actually I don't need to do that. I have plenty of conviction. I have, I know what I like. Um, and I know that Long Beach doesn't have it. So why not just do it in this community that Mm. we're really rooted 
and people are supporting us already. And they're already interested in what he's making. Yeah, exactly. It it had been proven to us at that point. And especially, and it was like, okay, well, at least now there's this cottage food law to where that's like a good in-between step so that we don't have to go all Mm. the way into like food full-blown bakery and we can learn as we go and Mm. build up. Yeah. But I I guess I want to share that um, like at this place, it didn't work out um, because I think people were kind of rude, you know, and I experienced that at another bakery. I tried staging at in LA and I want to share that just for maybe other listeners. Yeah. I I just didn't tolerate that stuff. Like people being rude and having big egos. Mm. Um, I came up from a place of being self-taught and just like loving what I was making, you know, and, and maybe, yeah, maybe it's, you know, some chefs think that's the way and you got to be tough, really tough on people, but Mm. that's not me. That's not the path I I went down or I want to go down. So I wanted to find the people that were, that were just kind and, and accepted you for who you were and were willing to teach you. Mm. Um, so, you know, at that bakery, that's another reason it didn't work out. And, and I kind of went to Richard's class, like, as, like this last, like, first I was like amazing that he was teaching a class out there. And I just like was there, like mm. immersed in his knowledge. And it was just so beautiful. And I, and I talked to him at the end of it and just introduced myself and, and told him kind of like, just share, wanted to share with him like where I was. And, and he, he just said some really kind words to me mm. and, that meant the world to me, you know, someone who I looked up to and that kind of set me on the path and said, pretty much said, you're, you're already doing like good stuff. Like mm-hmm. you can, you, you can do this, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I kind of was already like, what? Like Richard said I can do it. And, <laughs> and so, so that, that was all what I needed to hear. And pretty much like was like told Anna, like, Hey, I'm going to Long Beach and let's, let's, let's keep working on this. And, yeah. and that, and that kind or of let's take it to the next step. Yeah, really. It and was I, like that point. Yeah. yeah, and then that pretty much. Yeah, we. I don't know. It wasn't like exactly we found the cottage, or I don't know if we were aware of it already. But this house opened up mm-hmm. around that time that I came back from Vermont that we're living in now, and and I could already envision like the Rofco. Like I was already looking into those ovens, and and it kind of just came together like in a in a beautiful way. Yeah. Back to kind of like your experience, you know, the negative experience. I feel like that's something that sets our little community of, of cottage bakers and uh, whatever would what you want to call our community, sourdough community or artisan community. But uh, yeah, it just seems like our, our little sphere, everybody is so generous and just very um, happy and, and eager to share wisdom and information and people like connecting with people and uh, whether that's Instagram, that's how I know I have personally you know, learned so much through Instagram and, and connecting with people. And, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it seems like our, our, our people are the type that are gravitate towards that type of, uh, relationship with other people that they've come into contact with. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I've talked with, you know, uh, Adam Pager a couple episodes ago and he's, he's, you know, he's like, yeah, there, there's people out there that do have this kind of ego and they, they don't want to share the information, whether that's like, you know, I learned it, you know, the hard way and you're going to have to learn it the hard way too, sort of mentality. But that doesn't seem to be what, you know, characterizes our, our community and in, in my experience. And it sounds like your experience as well. Yeah. Hi, friends. I wanted to take a quick moment to remind you about my collaboration this season with my friend Tyler at the Wire Monkey Shop. 
This season, all my guests will receive this one-of-a-kind, limited-edition, handcrafted walnut log emblazoned with the Sourdough Podcast logo. And of course, you too can score your perfect loaf like the pros. A portion of all purchases goes right back into the production of the podcast, so you can score with style and feel good at the same time knowing your purchase is helping inspire our sourdough community. Not your style? Maybe your spouse or significant other is a sourdough fanatic. Talk about the perfect Valentine's Day gift, am I right? So head on over to the Sourdough Podcast website. Your support makes all the difference. Now, back to the show. So at this point, you're coming back to Long Beach. You're, you're, you're looking into cottage bakery laws. And it sounds like you're, you're committed now. Like, we're just going to take the next step. That's, you know, whatever the next step is going to be, we're, gonna, we're going down this path. Um, you've got Anna kind of the voice of reason, got the checks and balances. And, you know, uh, it sounds like you've got a good partnership established already as far as like what it takes to, you know, start a business. Um, what uh, what was that cottage bakery experience or getting the license? How did that all come about? Was it a difficult experience for you? No, that was that was pretty straightforward. Um, we knew so we have from from this Long Beach community, we have friends that at that point had started a cafe and just making really excellent food. Um, and they had been interested in in our bread back when we were just wood firing it and it was super expensive and it was, you know, it was only six loaves at a time. And they just said, you know, whenever you're ready, we want to source your bread for our, our cafe. And so wow. that was kind of our, our reason for when we started the, the cottage bakery, um, they were our first clients. And so we knew that we wanted to go for the cottage be licensed so that mm. we could sell to restaurants. Um, and then other than that, yeah, it was, you know, kind of the the time between him coming back from Vermont and us finding this place or, you know, having the house and moving into it and everything, get it, waiting for the Rothko to show up, basically. Um, in that time, we, we landed on the name and, you know, worked on the branding and worked on photos. So there was just more of the fun, creative stuff to work on. And then we already had a good grasp about, you know, business licenses and DBAs and all the all the official stuff that we had to get in place. But um, here in Long Beach, we have our own health department. So we just went straight through them. And um, okay, yeah, wow. it was really, really easy process. How long from start to license or what, you know, a permit in hand did it take? <gasps> I think mm. probably around a month because there okay. was a little bit of back and forth and just kind of mm. like getting, getting all the other elements in place. I think we had to get the business license first and then, mm. Um, like I've mentioned, or I've heard other bakers talk about this process on the podcast and essentially it's the same thing. Like you just have to let them know what kind of products you're making and yeah. yeah so it's just a little bit of back and forth. Mm -hmm. I, I'm in the middle of it right now. I, I, oh, cool. I submitted my, my application or my, for the permit, uh, like a week ago, I haven't heard anything, but right. <laughs> so I'm expecting yeah. again, probably about a month, you know, yeah. hopefully yeah. fingers crossed, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. So let's see here. I got a, a listener question um, from Jess Wagner, um, Graniacs.com, uh, yeah. uh, Graniacs Unite, um, wearing her shirt actually right now. Nice. Uh, shout out. Um, she asks, uh, what, what do you wish you had done differently maybe in that first year of op operating your cottage bakery? Is there, is there something looking back you're like, oh, I wish I could have done that a different way? Hmm. Or maybe some like knowledge that you had to learn the hard way that kind of. So with wholesale accounts, it was interesting because 
like I said, our friends, you know, were our first wholesale account and they came to us. And what we've learned is that, especially in that first year of business, um, the accounts that actually wanted our bread um, were the ones that reached out because they had tried the bread or they straight up bought the bread at a pop-up or something like that. They went through the effort of, um, of seeking it out and trying it for themselves. And then they would reach out and, you know, and be like, okay, just give me your wholesale information. Let's see how we can start ordering. There were accounts that we sought out that we mm. thought, Oh, this bread, our bread would be great here. You know, we know their menu. Uh, we know generally we know the owners or this or that, or the chef. Um, and, or, or they would reach out to us and ask for a sample. So both those situations in which we went somewhere without being asked, or somebody just asked us to sample, like give them a bread without any commitment. Mm. Um, for some reason, those ended up not panning out. And so hmm. we kind of learned from that in, okay, like if somebody, if a chef is really interested, you know, they're going to respect our yeah. time and, and come to us and meet with us face to face and buy a loaf of bread or at least attempt to, you know, um, mm. and, and treat it with some respect. So I don't That's know true. why that is, but <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I felt like sometimes it was a waste of time, like running around and trying to get someone a sample of a bread that you work so hard on, and then for them to just be like, no, you know, no, or, or not, not answer yeah. straight up, like or just, just ghost you, ghost yeah. you, yeah. And so it just felt like, all right, I well, guess, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah, that <laughs> out. and not a lot. I guess that's a great question, Jess. But for a lot, a lot doesn't a lot doesn't come up for me because I had worked so hard on savings and. um we found this spot. So things were kind of a breeze, you know, like I got the thing, I got the oven, like I was ready to go. And, and it was, that's, I think also like a, a lesson or something that we did right that we didn't do it knowingly was we started really small and just did things as they showed up organically. Mm -hmm. Again, like accounts coming to us for wholesale um, and trying that way to like slowly increase your production because obviously there's, a, a learning curve to making more loaves, you know, and um, having longer bakes and the weather and how that impacts everything. And so, and even to the retail, we, we started just with pop-ups and then slowly like incorporated a farmer's market. And so all of that I think is, is something that um, we would do again, because it was, it was the best way to, to grow successfully. And, um, and as we were taking each step, we were solid about the step that we had just taken. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like the lesson learned maybe is go where the business leads you organically. Don't try to like mm -hmm. force, you know, a square into a round peg or something like that. Right. Um, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's the way it works from what I've heard about from other bakers that like, you know, just kind of word of mouth and, and this kind of organic growth model is, is how these things become successful. And yeah. And that kind of proves the demand, you know, if you're, if you are like, if you're just trying to stay at the cottage level, then you can just, I don't know, you can figure it out however you want to. But I think for us, we had this intention of growing into a bakery. And so it only made sense to go as far as people would meet us and as the demand would meet us. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So trying to move our, our interview forward because I'm, again, running out of time here. I want to respect your guys' uh, evening. Um, but uh, what are your kind of roles do you find yourselves in now in the bakery? Uh, Anna, you've, you quit your job or you had a business, is that mm -hmm. right, beforehand? Right, yeah. I still try to do things on the side and I just don't have time for them. But um, 
yeah, at this point, I mean, I've, I've, I've been from here from the beginning, but at this point I just dedicate my days to, you know, admin stuff, customer service, working the farmer's markets, um, learning human resources now that we have, you know, an employee and then, um, just trying to, yeah, learn what I can about, about growing this business into the bakery. Mm. And now that we're also, you know, going through the process of, of getting the bakery just constantly every day now it's working on either, you know, getting things set up for a loan or working with the plans and the designs that we need to do. So, so it's like, now I have a lot of new roles, but, um, even in just the, the previous six months, um, yeah, it's been a lot of managing this other side and, you know, uh, operations kind of creating systems and stuff for, for purchases and for workshops and, and all that. Mm-hmm. And you're just the baker, Arturo. Is that? <laughs> yeah, that's all he does. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. I, I mean, keeping track of the inventory, making sure we always have ingredients. Um, yeah. The baker. <laughs> well, making yeah. sure that, yeah, that the bread is. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, <I'm> kidding. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's, I, I love how you guys have kind of, this this all evolved and, and kind of as as it's grown it's grown as your team has grown with it you know you two mm-hmm. as as a team um and, and your roles have really complemented each other it sounds like um so far and and moving towards your 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 business your brick and mortar um can you describe quickly maybe like a, a typical week at gusto for you guys right now um yeah so quickly quickly (laughs) yeah run through it um how about you do it it's all right um (laughs) monday we set out and send out a newsletter we have a newsletter which we highly recommend to any cottage bakers or any people like just yeah working on their business we send out a newsletter every single monday with what we're going to do that week if there's any special events special products anything um so that's that's how we start the week and then we have our loaves that, um, you know, the, the bread that gets mixed and, uh, shaped for, um, the, our wholesale bake. And then on Tuesday we have a wholesale bake in the morning, followed by our market bake, followed by the farmer's market. And during that day, we also have our Wednesday loaves. Um, basically we're, we're making all the loaves that then we're going to on Wednesday bake and sell at the market. And then, Thursdays are kind of like Mondays and that we're just making the loaves, preparing the loaves for wholesale. And then Friday's the wholesale bake um, and deliveries. And then on Saturdays, we um, we make everything for, for Sunday. Basically, we're, we're not baking things off, but we're just making all the, the doughs and uh, cookie dough and <laughs> galette dough and all that, getting that ready because on Sunday morning we bake and then that's when we open here. Ooh, do you, you have a, a day off in there somewhere? No, Ooh. <laughs> not really. Um. <laughs> we have we have like <laughs> afternoons and or mornings that that are a bit more open. Yeah, it's pretty unique situation because we you know you live here, you live in your home as a cottage baker, and yeah, there's no kind of in uh, between, like, divide. Do I, you know. do I work here? I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Monday Mondays mix, Tuesdays mix and bake. Wednesdays bake, Fridays mix and bake. <laughs> no, Thursdays mix. Sorry, yeah, it's it's just all. It's a lot of it's all a blur. Yeah. yeah, 
<laughs> I've caught you at the end of a long day. I, I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about your community. And I think this kind of falls under community, but uh, tell me about your, your kind of local grain economy that's going on in Long Beach. What is it? Is it bustling? Is it uh, growing? Is it what, what's the state of your grain economy? Um, I mean, we're pretty fortunate to be here in, you know, Los Angeles. It's the greater Los Angeles area is pretty booming. I feel like with the California grain campaign, you know, that they've been great advocates and like Farmer Mai, um, Lena Lightman, Kristen Toll, you know, the Miller. Um, so they've all done great work at getting information out there and getting people to, um, to even like implement more whole grain in California grown gain, grown grain for that matter into their foods. Like, um, so in getting into the hands of chefs, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot happening here. It's great to be. Has that affected like what you guys use in your kitchens? Is, is it made it more accessible or, um, I mean, for us, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I source, I used to mill here. I used to get stuff from like Tatchby Grain Project, or even like outside, not necessarily always California. Also, I'd bring some stuff in from Bluebird Grain Farms in Washington. Um, I, one time we traveled to Squim, Washington, and I found this small farmer that was selling like bags of it at a grocery store. I like bought like 50 pounds, you know, I'd, Anytime, like all this cool connecting with farmers and yeah. just I had this little mill and it was exciting, you know, but, um, I don't do milling so much here as much anymore. Um, I support Kristen Toll now for all our whole grain. Awesome. They're just such a beautiful flower and mill that they're producing there. So what a great resource to have so close too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we, we implement a lot of that into our diets and try to get it out there too. Do a lot of people that uh, come to your bakery or find you at the farmer's market, are, do you feel like the level of knowledge of a kind of a local grain economy is standard or is that something you do a lot of education on on site there or with your customers? We do a lot of education and and that's why we like our loaf, uh, the California loaf, it's it's about that. It's a conversation starter. Right? Yeah. It's like this loaf is featuring, you know, grain from Grisanto that's grown in California and milled here like it's it's always a, an introduction to to our bread and what's going on around us. So, and it's yeah. got to make that connection much more real for people. And, you know, the buy-in and like the understanding the quality and not just obviously the flavor is is going to be mm-hmm. has to be there, but you know, just having that extra level of of connectedness to the to the product and to the grain and to the the baker and the grower. Yeah, just makes people yeah, come there's, back. I mean. We, there's a long way to go. Definitely in Long Beach, there there aren't that many bakers. You know, people are just now getting used to seeing these kinds of loaves and understanding how to use them and and all of that. So really, once we have the bakery, we are, we also want to have bags of Gristentol flour and whole grains there. Like we love their polenta. Mm. We just we make that at home, and so we want to be able to bring a little bit of that into Long Beach into people's hands as like actual grain because once it's in the bread like we can talk to them about it and they they can begin to appreciate it but we also want people to kind of have their own direct relationship Mm. with really great grain and um and right now bread is the only vehicle we have for that but we want to have a bit of retail so that they can have that experience that's cool yeah no I've seen I think I've seen that model at like Josie Baker in San Francisco mm-hmm. where you go in, you can order and but then there's like a rack with all these, you know, local flowers or 
milled in house flowers and yeah yeah that's just you know not mm-hmm. what the average you know supermarket experience offers right. but um how has like social media or the online community affected you guys growth or experiences as bakers i mean it's it's wonderful seeing i discovered like you when you were uh building your wood up like i was following that story i, I don't remember how exactly i found you but Connected who knows how we find each other but no there's i get so much inspiration um from from people we see online that are that befriend us that message us like mm. it's great it's a great tool to connect with folks and all um, over the world we've uh we did a, a recipe exchange with a baker in australia <laughs> yeah shout out to kula baker kula baker in australia yeah, those yep. are yeah they, they <laughs> have the recipe for the buckwheat cookies that we make every day that people love here and uh, what recipe did you share with them spelt cookies spelt oh uh, yeah so yeah yeah on our stories i was sharing you know that we make 100 percent spelt cookie with and Tull, yeah and he was like, what, you're doing that? And, and then he's like, I'll share this one with you, a buckwheat one. And I hadn't really worked with buckwheat much. And and I was like, that's awesome. I'll give it a go. And so we exchanged recipes. And, and it's um, been a hit. Yeah, people love mm-hmm. it. We've that's converted awesome. a lot of people into buckwheat yeah. <laughs> eaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Awesome. And so, I mean, you've, you have talked about Long Beach, like your community there. And it's, it's very diverse. But at the same time, it's like kind of a separate community from the greater Los Angeles area. Um, can you talk more about your local community there in Long Beach? Like what was your initial reception like there when you first started and, and how has that changed? So when I first started, I, I, I think back to when I was baking in the wood oven and, and, um, similar to what I've heard on the podcast, a lot of guests that you've had on that, you know, you're hand delivering the loaves sometimes like, or they're, they're coming to your house and, and that's what it takes to really get it out there you know and, and that's what it felt like way back when you know but uh you would bring you the most joy doing it you know or, or, or it did for me and so that that's what it was like for a while and it felt like i was doing all the educating you know and there wasn't a whole lot going on here in long beach and now there's there's more bakers popping up that are that are also a lot of home bakers um that are using cool grains and and just that we've become friends with. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's, it's changing. There's more people coming to Long Beach in general. It's just like a growing city. And also, I mean, Long Beach, again, we've been in Long Beach for, for over a decade and we're connected to, you know, artisans and entrepreneurs and foodies and those kinds of communities. Um, and so we already, that, that was kind of the, the foundation on which we built the business and the business has grown. But then it's been fun, you know, every week we still meet new people and we meet people all the time that are moving to Long Beach, like people from Brooklyn, people from mm. different parts of the East Coast um, or even other places in L.A. And they have a good understanding of bread and of sourdough and, you know, just in general bread culture. And so it's been fun now meeting those people because like all the all the natives, basically, we've you know, educated along the way and they, they know our bread, you know, they, and, and through our bread, they might travel and try another baker's bread. But, um, but then it's fun meeting people that just now move here and are like, Oh, thank God I found bread. Like there's no bread in this town kind of thing. And so, yeah, it's, it's a fun place. Well, I, I love how Gusto itself kind of, you know, is a, the word is like a bridge or the title. And I'm sure you guys have put a lot of thought into that. Um, yeah 
and just kind of connecting people. You know, there's the gusto English definition and gusto Spanish version, and and it, and it just I was already in its name. You guys seem like you're you're trying to build bridges there between yeah. people. And uh, do you guys, you know, as Latinos and, and you know with family origin in Mexico and Argentina. Uh, do you guys see yourselves as having a, a unique role or a position in like your community or the larger baking community? Yeah, definitely. I would say that culture is one of, you know, our, our strongest held values in, in our business and, um, our identities as, as Latinos, you know, we're very proud of our heritage and we're also raised in California and very American. And so, um, and so we understand this, you know, this multiculturalism that's really beautiful. Um, and so we kind of accept all parts of that and we want to incorporate all parts of that into the business. We already have, like from time to time, we'll make, you know, Mexican sweetbreads. And from time to time, now we're making some Argentine things mm. and um, really, once we have the daily production at the bakery, we want to feature those as regular items. And, um, and it's been great because we'll, a lot of our, com some of our community is Latino and, you know, of our generation. And they're, they're stoked about finding bread that's of their culture. That means something to them, you know, um, but that's made with great ingredients where you can actually taste the grain or actually taste, you know, if it's got chocolate, it's actual chocolate and mm. it's not some, weird, you know, or artificial powder. Yeah, yeah. Or actual butter or, um, so that's part of our community. And then the other part are all sorts of, yeah, Americans from different backgrounds that they're totally willing to try the Mexican bread. Like they, yeah, it's, it's, um, we're kind of putting it right there alongside yeah. the sourdough bread. Um, and they get to experience something totally new and just accept it for what it is. And, and like the beauty of that is, really important to us and it's um yeah it's something we want to showcase that's great well speaking of the long beach community um you guys have some big plans for the future of long beach and in, in bread and what's what's going on what do you guys have uh going there for the fundraiser you guys started a fundraiser is that right yeah so pretty much um you know we've we've just been doing so much out of this little cottage and and we were already expecting to like outgrow this model and and it kind of happened that like as like we got it got crazier and crazier um we we were approached with some really great um landowners that recently acquired a building that they pretty much offered it to us um wow and at a and great it's in a perfect location and like uh, just really um again, like Long Beach, it's like an independent kind of business neighborhood. Um, and, and so, yeah, it was kind of like the perfect neighborhood that we were scared to even look at because we thought we would be outpriced and like, wow. Oh no, it's getting too trendy kind of thing. Um, but yeah, right around the time that we were starting to think like we should probably start looking for a place and start to have that really scary conversation of having a build out and like investing all this money in you know, a giant bread oven. Um, that's when they, they reached out to us like, Hey, wow. we got this building. Do you, do you want to maybe rent it? Yeah. So that inspired all of, like, you know, we were like, okay, like we gotta it's do perfect it. timing kind of just. Yeah. Again, what you're yeah. talking about with like the organic, you know, relationship or, you know, them approaching you first. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why we kind of, uh, even though it was, so it kind of came to us at a perfect time because we were starting to get ready, but we weren't quite ready. We hadn't lined things up exactly, you know, what oven we were going to get or um, what kind of loans we were going to line up or what a build out would actually cost. So we've kind of, you know, got a lot of, as many resources as possible together to figure all that stuff out. And we got our architects and we got an advisor and talked to, you know, loan underwriters and everything. So we were in, started that process and just like, you know, zero. I'm sorry. Have you like had any consultation from, from other bakers or is this, you guys just doing this all Um, first time? A lot of business, a lot of business owners, friends that own cafes, restaurants, like have been generous with their time. And we've asked, you know, I've offered like, like ask how us do any you questions do this? And, yeah. <laughs> how do you actually wow. do this? Cause it's like, it's a puzzle and it's hard to imagine how the pieces come together. And it's kind of like, and everybody says the same thing, like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's not an easy process. Um, but nobody's told us not to do it. So, um, and, and our community. So that's kind of why, you know, as, as this was building momentum and we were finding the resources that we needed to get started on the project, we just thought, um, all right, let's put it out to the community and make sure that they want it, you know, mm-hmm. that, and, and sure people are nostalgic and they love the cottage bakery and, you know, they love coming to our house and that, that we do all this here. Um, but I think at this point we've, we've demonstrated that our heart and soul that we put into this is going to continue. And that's something again, just like the, our cultural heritage, it's something that we actually really love and we want to continue exploring and just kind of like up the quantity and up the variety of what mm. we're doing. So at that point, it was um, pretty much late December, which is not a great time to start a fundraiser. But yeah, we put up a fundraiser um, at muchogustobread.com. And right now we're like a, over 45% of the way there. And it's just kind of like, we just put a quantity that, that you know, we'd be like extremely happy with <laughs> whatever we get because so far everything that we've, um, we've, gathered has actually gone directly to our architect fees and our city planning fees. So the community really has met us like so far each step of the way. Mm, That's Um, amazing. But yeah, we just have it up and we have, you know, really fun rewards that we came up with and it's self-hosted. So it's kind of just something that we, we put up there and we just figure, okay, this is a good place for people. If they want to lend a hand, then it's, it's there for them to contribute and get something out of it too. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you have a, it sounds like you have a generous community in Long Beach, but then obviously you have this yeah. whole other greater baking community and global baking community that will be very generous as well. And I've seen that really? in a few yeah. different, you know, um, bakery build outs as well. It's like people, yeah, yeah, we had um, resource people from all over the world. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's been, it's been amazing. Um, Roxana from friends and family, she was a contributor, you know, really sweet, just people that again, like we were talking about the generosity of spirit of fellow bakers that just want you to succeed and are, you know, always just encouraging you along the way. It means a lot because it was terrifying to make this decision. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and they've probably been there and and know exactly what you're going through. So what's your, what's your timeline? What are you, when are you hoping to I don't know if break ground is the right term or knock down some walls. Break, break ground, probably March, April. Um, and yeah, and we're told that it could be a swift build out, but we'll see how it goes. It's probably like a late (laughs) summer fall kind of thing. Hopefully (laughs) launch. Yeah. 
Yeah. What? That's so exciting. <laughs> so exciting, guys. Uh, well, how can people connect to you? How, you said, uh, what's the website again? Mucho Gusto. Mucho Gusto Bread is the fundraiser website. And our website is just Gusto Bread, which we also have links to the fundraiser and other information. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, another quick listener question from Maca Munoz Rowe. Well, she want to know if you guys are planning on doing any workshops. Is that something you guys do or... You do. Yeah, yeah, workshops. We do them here um, in, in our cottage bakery now. They've become really popular. Um, but we we stopped booking them because we're focused on our build out right now, and and all that takes mm, takes all okay. our energy. So we haven't booked any more. Um, but we we want to build the space so that it allows for that, and and hopefully also guest yeah. workshops and mm-hmm. yeah, just grow, expand on that a little bit would be great. Include it's it's more. been a fun way to like, you know, encourage people to, to learn more about bread. Like not everyone will become a baker because it is quite demanding, mm-hmm. you know, and people will learn that. But honestly, folks have just been um, excited about just taking a workshop, getting mm-hmm. their hands in the dough and, and understanding all the care and you know the quality of things that go into making a loaf of bread so we definitely want to continue that because it's just it's amazing to do it yeah. so, well it's just yeah. another way to uh, educate people and share information and, and give them another way to connect with food and and, the, and you guys the mm-hmm. bakers and so yeah. it just uh, sounds super exciting and, and uh man i really hope to get down there to long beach there's yeah. so many places I want to visit, but uh, especially my, my California bakers, I, I want to, <laughs> one of these days, I want to just take a little tour down to Southern California and mm-hmm. uh, see all you guys and hopefully be up and running this summer. Yes. So. Yeah, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys for your time and I'll let you get back to your evening, but uh, it's just been uh, so great talking with you this evening and I want to thank you guys for being such an inspiring part of our, our community and uh Good luck with with your with your bakery and your fundraising efforts, and I'll I'll throw up a link for sure on my website and, and send people your way. Great, thanks so much. Well, thank you, yeah. thank you for having us, and thank you for what you're doing. You know, it's fun to hear of everybody's experience. I really take a lot of inspiration from that, and it, I love when people are just doing things their way. And so, the more examples we can have of that, I think it helps people understand themselves better and take like feel confident and like they can proceed with you know what they want to create. Yeah. Um, so thank well, you. Thank, no, thank you. That's really encouraging to hear. So. All right, guys. Have a great night. Thanks, All right, thank you. Bye. Hey, sourdough community. If you enjoyed this episode and were inspired in any way by Anna and Arturo sharing their journey, I would greatly encourage you to head over to MuchoGustoBread.com right now and contribute any amount to their fundraiser. At the time of this recording, they were just under 50% of their fundraising goal. Let's see if we can give them the sourdough podcast bump and get them all the way there. Not to mention they have some really cool thank you gifts for supporting the campaign like coffee mugs, bread subscriptions, and even a private pizza party. So let's show them now how generous the sourdough community can be. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. I'm a thousand miles from just about anywhere I need to be. Scared of the rain clouds that tag along behind my dreams. I think about what I can do. Or something that I can be Then a fog grows in and confines me When the rain stops falling 
find me outside Whenever you try calling I'll be busy on the other line Won't be talking to no one But the spirit inside of me For the words run through my teeth Talking to no one 